Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. We've heard about NIL and the efforts that are going on at UConn, so I figured today I'd dive into this topic a little bit more. So joining me today, we've got John Malpatone, president uh, of Bleeding Blue for Good, and, and Jared Thomas, the executive director. So thank you both for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's our pleasure, pleasure. to be here. So for for starters, I, I know everyone has started to, you know, get more and more uh, into the NIL and what that is. Um, whoever wants to, I'll, I'll throw it out to whoever wants it. Take us through just a, a brief overview of Bleeding Blue for Good, how it got started and, uh, you know, just a high level overview. So we started, uh, we incorporated in uh, August of uh, 2022. So we've been in operation a little over a year. Um, it really driven by men's basketball initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were, we were a year into NIL and uh, UConn did not have a, uh, a collective yet. Um, and Danny really felt like he needed uh, something for his, for his student athletes. Uh, you know, more so just to keep the locker room together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were about to start practice and he didn't want his players talking with, you know, their buddies from, uh, from high school and their AAU teams about and finding out they were getting money and none of the UConn players were getting money. So, um, we, we, uh, we went out and did some, uh, some quick fundraising, fundraising meetings. Uh, you know, that was really our initial fundraise, which was sort of August and September, um, made a conscious decision that we wanted to be a, a non-for-profit because we wanted this to be more than just compensating uh, athletes. Um, yeah. We wanted to help uh, the inner city kids. Um, so our business model, is, as, as you may know, is athletes get compensated for doing charitable works, primarily serving as role models for inner city, inner city children. I- um so you know that's that's how we started, and then we expanded into women's basketball, and then from there, uh, baseball and football, uh, all with the same mission. I, I think one thing that's interesting is you hear NIL and you see it thrown a lot around at a lot of different schools. And I, I know you mentioned something that's really particular about this organization, your organization, is that there's a charitable component to it, where a lot of it is just thrown around cash to uh, you know show up and play. How important is that to you to be able to incorporate that community aspect to this organization and giving back? Uh, you know, very important to me and our other co-founder, John Greenblatt, and the entire board who helped us find this because we've uh, we've been involved with charities uh, our whole life. We, be, we believe giving back is important. And we also, um, you know, somewhat selfishly thought that it would be more difficult to raise money if it was just paid, you know, viewed as pay to play. And um, this just comes with a little bit of knowledge of the uh, university's donor base, because uh, both John and I had served on the uh, foundation board for a number of years. Uh, we had a pretty good pulse of what people would donate to. Um, so we felt that adding the charitable angle, angle would help us raise money. So Jared, yeah, Jared I think, yeah, yeah, real quick. I, I just think that you know, at so many schools, um, you can you can guess which ones there were there were maybe some uh, schools that were doing a little fundraising already, right? And for schools with the reputation of UConn and a, a proud donor base and proud 
um, group of alumni that that we knew we needed to get to give back. It was really, really critical for us to put together something that they could be proud of. Um, so that was one of the largest reasons I was excited to join this team is because John and John had built something, you know, wonderful here where we could give back to the communities of Connecticut and um, do something where we, we're sending these guys out almost as brand ambassadors for mm-hmm. not only the men's basketball program, the women's basketball program, and now the football program, but um, they're, they're brand ambassadors for those programs and they're brand ambassadors for, for UConn. And I think that, that that's something that's been massive and kind of rallying the, the, the fundraising and the, and the donors. So for those listening, we started with John, that was Jared there. So, so Jared, take us through your role at Bleeding Blue for Good and, and what you do. Yeah, so I think a lot of collectives around the country started this thing, and it, they they were uh, almost all volunteer forces, right? at at every At every school, they circled the wagons. They realized that this was the new landscape, and it was it was time to create a collective. So you have diehard, passionate fans like John Malfatone who um, stepped up to the plate, and uh, I mean the hours that he has spent um, trying to run this thing for the last year for free on a completely volunteer basis, just because he, he literally bleeds blue and he loves the school so much. Um, so commendable. And I think all of UConn nation should be grateful for, for this group. It includes our board as well. People who volunteered to give their time to step up when somebody needed to step up and these things keep growing. Right. So now it's, it's becoming a lot of schools, a business uh, and you need, you have to have a full-time employee because there's just so many bits and pieces when you talk about the fundraising component, the setting up the charitable events and the clinics, um, the administrative stuff. There's, there's so many different buckets. And I was fortunate enough that I was made aware that the, that UConn was, was looking for uh, an executive director. And I had spent the last 13, 14 months um, spearheading the Purdue collective so had some experience in the space and it's pretty simple, man. When, when the champs call, you, you, you come running. Um, but, but for me, it was really about the people too. I, I tell John all the time, the ingredients that UConn has to have one of the best collectives in the country, were all there. You have a passionate, dedicated donor base. You have one of the most rabid fan bases in the country. Um, it's a national fan base, great programs. And I say all the time, it's, the two easy ways to fundraise are when the team is struggling and you need to rally the troops and when you're winning national championships and you can say, Hey, you want to do it again? Um, so yeah, it was just all the pieces in place and I've come in to try to put on all those different hats and be the charitable outreach and the fundraising and the, um, there's a legal component and I'm a licensed attorney. So it kind of all corporate partnerships. Um, but we've got, we've got a wonderful board who helps kind of carry the load in a way that I think doesn't exist at a lot of schools as well and a very supportive athletic department. I'm curious, given your experience that you had having been at Purdue for a little over a year doing similar stuff, I think we see NIL kind of changes by the day. How have you seen this landscape change from when you started back at Purdue to where it is right now? Man, it's it's dynamic because the changes are they, they kind of come from everywhere. I think, you know, the NCAA, when the Supreme Court made that ruling, um, kind of just put it all down and they're like, OK, and, it, and it, people use the phrase Wild West and 
um, you know, bold new era of collegiate athletics and all these cliches, but uh, they, they have put out, I would say almost quarterly guidance where they specifically say, these things are permissible. These things are not permissible. So you're just always adapting. And then it's also just a matter of staying in touch with, with, how do I want to say this? The NIL community. Mm -hmm. Um, so you see what every other school's doing and there are good ideas there. And you also want to be an innovator and a leader in the space. You want to be the first to market with the best ideas, which gives your teams a competitive edge. Um, but it's really just being a student of this, this dynamic new space and, um, trying to, trying to adapt to any new guidance the NCAA puts out and being aware of, of what IRS regulations are and, and all of it. John, I'll throw a similar question to you. You know, you've been doing this now for a little bit over a year from when you started. How have you seen this organization evolve for, from, you know, what was it, August 2022 to, to where it is right now? It started as, uh, you know, let's just raise a pot of money and, you know, figure out how to give it out to athletes. And now it's a business. I mean, literally, we're running a business, right, with an executive director and you know, we've got to make sure we've got the writing controls in place so we can have insurance and, and uh, you know, there's, so there's policies and procedures. And uh, so it is we are running a business. And when you when you run a business, you got to think about, you know, long term, um, which makes it really hard in the NIL market, in the NIL space, because we don't know what to expect long term. So I think the hardest thing is to. Uh, uh, if you've ever run a business, started a business is to do that when you have no visibility as to what the future is going to be, you know, yeah. especially when it comes to possible regulation. As you look at how this has evolved here, Eric, you come, how have you felt that the fan response has been to NIL? Uh, generally good after an education process. Yeah. Um, you know, especially, and that's a change from, you know, a year and a half ago when we started, uh, when people just didn't get it, right? They didn't get the concept of paying athletes. They cer certainly didn't get the fact that we're separate from the university. You know, when they give money, they're asking, well, where are my points, you know, so that I can get better seats? Well, we're, you know, we, we can't do that. That's an NCAA <laughs> violation. Um, so uh, it's been a, a, a fairly long education process. It's totally different from how institutions normally raise money, right? Because um, the process of, of raising money for a university's foundation is a, it's a, it's a very long engagement. Mm -hmm. you, you meet a donor, you take them to dinner, you take them to events, you know, you, you're back in touch over a period of years before you ask for money. This is totally different because what we have to do is explain, this is NIL, this is our business model. Here are the wire instructions, you know, all in the same sentence. So it's a real rush for people and they're not, and quite frankly, our donor base is just not used to it. I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's Meats. This fourth generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosol's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. For more information, visit martinrosalsinc.com and go support a UConn fan-owned business. And now, back to the interview.
You mentioned the education process and getting people up to speed and then the idea is starting to click a little bit more. What, what are a couple of the most common questions you've gotten? You know, I'll give you a chance to, to blast it out to an audience here as, uh, you know, people listening or watching might, might have some of the same questions you can you get on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, you know, what do I, what do I, you know, besides uh, helping out the athletes, what do I get in return? I mentioned the, the whole, um, you know, ticket points. That's a, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, what type of access do I get? Uh, any special access to athletes or coaches or, uh, or things like that? Um, is it tax deductible right now? Yes, it's, it's tax deductible. We're a 501, uh, C3. Um, what else, Jerry, what else can you think of the common questions that we get? I, I, one of my favorite questions is one that I, I actually agree with. And it's, so why are, why are the fans being asked to foot the bill for NIL? And that's a, a long and arduous answer that starts with the NCAA not making a decision five years ago. And we tell people, you know, the current status quo is, is probably a short-term one. This is how that all shook out when it went through the courts. And um, our job now is to, to use this as a window to, to maintain the championship standard at UConn. Um, you know, hopefully three years from now it evolves again and it's not this fan crowdsource model, but, but right now it is, and we truly all need to be rowing the boat the same direction and all get on board because we have wonderful athletic programs here at UConn and man, I, I, instead of being upset about, um, the way that it all shook out, let's show the entire country that UConn's fan base cares more than any other fan base. Like we have a real chance here to. To, to maintain this excellence and then for football to help rejuvenate and relaunch a, a program um, and, and get it back to, to the success that it needs to be at. So I, I try to, you know, I take that question of why is this on the fans? Like, you're right. That's a great question. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but this is the way the cookie crumbled. And now we got to, we got to go. Yeah. So one, one common question we get is, can I designate my money to a particular sport? And the answer to that is yes. Um, another one is, you know, how much of my money goes to athletes and we're committed that 90% of what we raise is going to athletes, which wow. is pretty good if you get any charitable yeah. organization, you know, we're running pretty close to that. Um, but as I said, it's a business, we have expenses, we have Jerry, we have insurance, we, uh, we're required to have audited financials and, you know, file a nine, 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 nine So we got accountants and attorneys and, and things like that. So we do have some costs, but. We're committed that 90% of our money goes to uh, to the student-athletes. Yeah, that's great. I I'm curious, as you've been interacting with the athletes through these charitable events that they've participated in with you guys, what has what, what their response been like to it? Can I take this one, John? This, this gets yeah, me fired yeah, yeah. up. I know you're passionate about this. Yep. This is, this is, this is my stuff, man. I, I, these kids are, are wonderful, wonderful human beings and wonderful ambassadors for UConn. I was explaining to Cam Spencer, um, it was actually in Kansas this past week, what his next event was going to be. Um, and he's got, we'll use Cam as an example to try to, to keep it succinct here. But uh, on Wednesday of this week, Cam and three other players are going to go to New Haven. They're going to visit a pediatric cancer hospital in conjunction and partnership with Tommy Fund for childhood cancer, right? So they're going to film a promotional video, a commercial for the Hats for Hope campaign. 
they are that basically says the school in Connecticut that raises the most money, they will make a guest appearance at later in the year. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then they're going to go around and pass out gifts to children in hospice. Uh, so all of a sudden, you imagine these these kids that are in hospice there in New Haven are going to have Cam Spencer, Donovan Klingon, Tristan Newton, and Alex Carabin walk into their room delivering presents. And when we tell Cam about that event or the event on the 17th we're trying to do with Special Olympics, um, man, they <laughs> he lit up. His first response was, that's so awesome. I can't wait. So these guys are going to be doing a, a, bas- a mini basketball clinic with Special Olympics athletes on the 17th in Gamble. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you then, too, the clinics we do, the basketball clinics we do in John State, which cities? We've done Hartford. Um, Stanford, Waterbury. What am I missing? Bridgeport. Bridgeport. So we've sent these guys to these places to run these clinics and they take almost this like brotherly role. And I think the coolest thing about the way that we've structured this is these guys are learning the power of their platforms and the impact that they can have when they give back. And it's, it's honestly a toss up between the students and our athletes who has the bigger smile with what's happening at the event, right? Like the kids are just geeked out of their mind that the UConn basketball players are there, but the athletes are also seeing that reaction. And I think, you know, when we send these guys out and they go pro or they go on with their careers, I think a lot of them are going to come back and keep giving to these same organizations because they had such a blast doing it. And they realize what the power of them promoting a charity on Twitter can do. So I, this is passion for me and it's the, it's the reason this job is fun, no matter how chaotic it gets or what changes that day or whatever else we have, we have phenomenal student athletes at UConn and they really, really enjoy doing, doing the work. That's awesome. I, uh, I don't want to keep you guys too long. So I'll uh, keep it just to another couple questions here. Um, and I think so always fun to, to look into the future. And I know, John, you mentioned how hard it was to get this started with not knowing what the future looks like, but if you had to give a prediction you know, how NIL evolves over, say, the next, like, two or three years. What, what's your biggest, I don't know, hot take heading into the NIL space? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this, this all gets uh, to be part of the university. I think that's the only way this works. Um, I think the biggest question, if you look at some of the proposed uh, laws that are out there, is do the athletes become uh, university employees or or not um and you know there's there's two factions on that uh regardless i think that it has to come under the administration of the university Jared, you got a a take on the uh, future of nil there no i think i think john's spot on there um this is a little bit of a broad answer but i think the other thing to consider is just until that happens our job is to continue to learn and change and grow um I say this a lot, but we reserve the right to continue to get smarter on this topic and and we fully intend to. So there's a ton of stuff that I'm going to keep close to the vest for now that we might be rolling out in the near future that I think UConn fans are going to absolutely love. And how do we tie that into NIL? And um, yeah, it, it's just the keeping the creative juices flowing and and coming up with new revenue streams and new ideas so we can ease some of that donor fatigue and maybe take some of that pressure off of donors. Um, we'll continue to adapt. We'll continue to adapt. As far as predictions, there are, 
there are so many different entities that have a hand in that pot right now trying to, you know, who knows if the federal government's ever going to legislate, who knows if the NCAA is going to try to come out with definitive guidance, whether it ropes into the athletic department. There's a lot of possibilities. I will say I don't see the current model existing beyond two years from now. I just I, there's there's too much smoke for there to not be fire at some point of of kind of changing the lay of the land right now. Um, but I also say that, you know, the numbers that people hear, A, it's not as crazy as the media makes it sound. Um, and B, markets correct themselves. So it's kind of moving towards that professional model a little bit. But I think it will make more sense over time instead of less sense is probably the easiest way to be to be broad with it. So uh, I'll, I'll wrap by uh, giving you guys a chance to plug everything Bleeding Blue for Good, how people can get involved, donate. I know Coach Moore has made a big uh, push around football. I know you guys uh, have tied some funds specifically to football. So uh, plug away here, guy. you know, get, get the message out there. One yeah, thing I'd like to start with is, um, you know, Coach Mora's comments were galvanizing, I think, to all of UConn Nation. The response, you asked the question earlier about how fans have responded, and John hit it on the head when we're talking about some of our larger donors with the education in play. Um, but the number of donations that we have received from a grassroots level with I mean, really, we put out two tweets. Um, that was it. And and UConn Nation responded. Um, so we're going to continue to do that. You can you can expect a pretty significant uptick in our grassroots model. We started by looking for the biggest donors. We're we're moving a little bit in that two point five to five thousand dollar donation range, but also moving into the five dollar, fifty dollar, hundred dollar range. Those add up. Every dollar counts every every donor counts and i think the impact that that's had over the past couple of weeks has been just tremendous to see um i would say then as a plug that we have we are very 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 healthy and very competitive for men's basketball football women's basketball and we had a really productive call the other day with with baseball uh fundraising so um, those are the four sports we're kind of focused on right now, but we do take designations and there's still a lift in play. We're healthy. We're competitive. Our NIL program is not one to scoff at. I promise you it is nationally competitive and nationally relevant, but we have some, some more fundraising to do for this, this academic athletic calendar year. And we're going to need everybody. We are going to need every single UConn fan to, to take some pride in ownership and what we're trying to do both from a charitable perspective and a competition perspective. And if you want a straight up plug, it's uh, bleedingblueforgood.org slash donate. And <laughs> we take pay PayPal, we take Venmo, we take Zelle, we take checks. Uh, we're actually working right now to set up a brokerage account to accept stock transfers. So I, I would say if anyone wants to, there's email contact information on the website. I have no problem sharing my email. It's jthomas at bleedingblueforgood.org reach out with any questions. I'm here to educate the UConn fan base and make sure that, like I said, we maintain this championship standard here because they uh, they brought me in to take this thing to the next level and they already had all the ingredients to be one of the best in the country. Hey, I've, I've got to ask as we're uh, coming up on, on the holidays, I know you guys had the autographed basketballs. Any uh, left in stock in case anyone's looking for a last minute uh, holiday gift? Yes, but we're running out. We've got about 40 left. So yep, go on our website. There's a link to purchase uh, the autographed basketballs. 
right. I know. I, I from know the national championship team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know those were a hit when they came out. So uh, if anyone slacked, it's nice to know there are a couple uh, still out yep. there looking for a yep. gift there. Um, but Jared, John, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to come on and, and, you know, do a little bit more education around NIL. I know it's big to the coaches, big to the players, big to the program. And uh, it seems like you guys are doing great work there. So uh, yep. thanks for all you do. And I appreciate you both coming on. Yep. Thanks for it's having the us. best school in the country, man. Yeah. Best school in the country. Thanks, you too. I appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.